This is the Lead Well Podcast. Welcome to the Lead Well Podcast, where we're talking all things leadership, talent, and culture. I'm your host, Missy Darden, and our special guest today is Operator Therese Fogelman from Boone FSR in Boone, North Carolina. Therese, we're excited to have you with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking me to join you today. Our pleasure. Thanks for being here. I mean, today we're going to talk about your intentionality around dedicated leadership. But of course, before we dive in, I would just love to hear about your time as an operator. That sounds good. Well, uh, I became an operator in July of 2012. That's when I was offered the franchise and then went to foundational restaurant leadership in Atlanta and uh, stepped into the operator role on October 1st, 2012. It's been an amazing journey. Uh, certainly the hardest thing I've ever undertaken in my life, but also the most rewarding. Um, it's, it's been an amazing career. There's so many things about it that I love, uh, particularly developing leaders, developing young people, and working with the community. There's, there's, there, it, there's just so much satisfaction in seeing people grow personally and professionally. And that's so cool to be able to earn a living serving good food and doing good things. It's it's amazing. So speaking of leadership, which you touched on a little bit, you like growing and developing leaders. Can you share a little bit about your leadership team and the structure in your restaurant and their individual roles? Yes. So we have a great organizational chart uh, that lays it out very clearly. Leadership begins uh, in my restaurant as a trainer. So the trainer is the first level of leadership. The second level is assistant shift manager. Third level is shift manager. And then after that, it's it's considered senior leadership, which are different roles, uh, marketing manager, catering manager, facilities manager. And then over the operations, Um, I have a general manager and two assistant general managers. Uh, The store, I run it as if it's a small company. Uh, When it was a much smaller restaurant, it really was run much more like simply a restaurant with 30 or 40 employees. But with the sales growth and just in general, the complexity of things, I switched to a model of running it like a small company with dedicated leaders over certain departments. And doing it that way, very little falls through the cracks. So how are your leaders involved as it relates to your talent strategy to rush on? I know talent is a hot topic given there's a labor shortage and lots of operators are facing that right now. So curious how they are involved. So I have a dedicated human resource specialist who assist me in recruiting interviewing, hiring, and onboarding. I've always enjoyed that part of the business. It allows me to choose who comes into the business. And a lot of things that could develop into perhaps behavioral problems later on, that doesn't ever happen because reading a resume tells me a lot about who a person is as far as you know their ability to hold down a job, Uh, what type of work they've done, how long they'll stay in a job. So I read all resumes that flow through. 
and we use specifically Workstream, which has been a game changer. So the Workstream platform makes it all very simple. The, the oversight of the, the talent part of the business has always been a high priority to me. Truett used to say, I found you usually get the people you deserve. And I, I didn't really understand that when he used to say that in the 90s. Um, but when I first became an operator, I thought how, how I took that was, okay, I need to be involved in this part, uh, the talent, because that's the foundation of how the restaurant will do. So at that point, I chose to do all the interviews myself. And also, as soon as I could afford it, because, you know, so much is due to your sales volume, I added someone in to assist me with all of that. So I was very purposeful about how I did that uh, from day one. And something that's very important to me is, is respect and showing other people respect. So I thought, okay, if I want the young people, generally just young people work for me, if I want the young people to respect me, I'm going to show them respect right out of the gate. So one of my foundational things with talent is everyone's responded to. It might be a no, it might be a yes, but we're going to hold up our end of the bargain. If you apply to our store, we're going to recognize that you did. Um, some of those applications are rejected, you know, but most of them are. And we're going to uh, schedule an interview. There's going to be someone there, either myself or my human resources specialist, who's going to sit down with you for 30 minutes, look you in the eye, get to know you a little bit, offer you a job if you did well. And then from, from there, they, they know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to be onboarded. Their uniform's going to be ordered. They're going to be set up with an orientation, then a trainer. And we just get really good feedback about that from the people who do end up working with us. And one of the couple of things that we've heard recently are people will say, thank you so much for reaching out to me because I feel like I've put in 15 job applications and you're the only people I ever heard back from. I just feel like they're just getting thrown out into the universe and no one is even on the other end. So that's a that's a very interesting thing to hear people say, particularly because these are people who so much of their life is is lived online. So they love that that connection is made. Mm -hmm. So it's purposeful and there is a process for bringing talent on board. And that's the initial way we do it. And I've always found that it, it takes a lot of time and dedication. And that is why. As soon as I could, I brought somebody in to to help me with that, and she worked full time doing that. Um, and now the the person who is in that job, she's she's phenomenal. You actually got to meet her at Sherm. A very sharp person, very good with people, has a lot of emotional intelligence, and I've trained her to interview. There's a specific type of interviewing that we do. I've trained her to do that. And she now does probably 80% of the interviews. And that's the beginning of the talent strategy. But once people come into the organization, I'm always observing who's going the second mile 
who has a great attitude. And those that I see that are that way, I think to myself, okay, I need to, I need to be watching them um, to move into a leadership position. And at that very first level of leadership, we're teaching them, you know, you're influencing other people. What you say, what you do, it matters. And so we start teaching them leadership skills because the interesting thing about becoming a leader is usually a person becomes a leader because they're good at their job. You know, they've excelled. They don't necessarily know how to lead another person. They just often work really hard. Um, there aren't that many natural leaders. I don't, I know I wasn't <laughs> at that age. <laughs> so um, it's just a part of it that immediately leadership coaching begins and it works. The leadership is just, it, it's spread throughout the company. It's not just me leading or the general manager leading. It's everyone leading. Um, and being an example. I appreciate you sharing that and just all the things that you're doing to grow and develop um, all levels of your leadership, not just one level. Um, and you mentioned SHRM. So for those mm -hmm. who are listening and you might not know what SHRM is, SHRM is the Society for Human Resource Management. And they're an organization and they've got all sorts of resources and they actually have a couple conferences throughout the year. So Teresa and I were able to meet last week at the SHRM Talent Conference. But I would love for you to share with the audience, Teresa, just because I know you've got such a passion for leadership development and uh, would love to for you to share about your experience with the SHRM Conference and your experience with SHRM over the years and why why you've decided to make that investment um, for yourself and for your leaders. So I was, you know, what I call a baby operator. And I happened to be speaking at a, a women's leadership group with an HR director from a large uh, international ministry. And I thought, okay, this lady, she's so smart. And she's head of a human resources department. So after we both spoke on this panel, I introduced myself and I, I said, you know, I'm just really wondering about some things, different uh, laws, different uh, strategies, um, you know, around HR. And she said, uh, look into look into SHRM. And she just gave me the website. So I did. And I thought, uh, okay. I need this because <laughs> basically it's it's the Google of HR. You know, they they have um, HR experts. They have legal experts. They just have everything you would need if you have an HR problem or if you wanted. To, they have team book templates. They have all sorts of contract templates. So. It's been very, very helpful. And, and they even have a hotline where you can actually speak to someone. So it's not just a live chat, you know, or a, it's not a bot. <laughs> it's definitely a human being that has a degree in something, human resources or, or legal. So it's, it's very helpful. And then as, my, as I grew more experienced and had the ability to uh, step back a little bit more, I decided to attend one of their conferences. So I went to their national conference in uh, New Orleans last year. And uh, it was it was great. And all of the content, all of all of the breakouts that I attended, excellent. 
and it is very vast. So I would say to anybody who's interested in it, don't think that it's going to have a perfect alignment with Chick-fil-A values. It just simply isn't. It's a think tank. It's a place to go for knowledge and help. So in that count, it is just hit it out of the ballpark every time. Yeah. Um, I'm really grateful to hear that you've had, you know, a lot of success in partnership with Sherm and, you know, just learning about the industry. I I had a blast at the talent conference. I love those types of things. I love learning. Um, and the sessions were really helpful. So I want to switch gears a little bit. And I know you mentioned early on in your career, you were really intentional and you led a lot of these HR efforts and then you just realized you needed some help. And once you were able to afford some support, you um, opted to bring somebody in. But what advice or guidance would you give to an operator who's kind of sitting in this camp of like, I don't want to let go? Like, How did you let go of some of these things um, and bring a dedicated leader on to support you? Well, I knew it was a necessity to let go uh, as the business started growing and it grew rapidly. It was it was going, it had been a slow growth store. And then when I took over, it had some very rapid growth in the first two years. And of course, I just bumped up against reality of, I can't, I can't work a hundred hours a week. Mm-mm, no way. <laughs> I have, but I, you know, I need to start reining this back in. I still have two kids. Um, so I started looking, around for someone in my organization who I thought um, was smart and liked people, was good with administrative tasks, and most importantly, could keep a confidence. Um, when you're when you're working in talent, which I call HR, but when you're working in that part of the business, someone you need to choose someone who's humble and doesn't use information as power. A young woman who um, had worked for me starting in 10th grade, she had just finished junior college and she had um, gotten a certificate in medical administration and done quite well. So I knew she could do that. And um, so I went out on a limb and I, I offered her a position. I said, this will be a career position. And she said, yes, I'll do it. And she stayed with me for 11 years. And she just recently left the business due to expanding her family. As the business continued to grow and I had more staff members, I did add in a part-time person as well. Um, So I've always had one and a half or two and a half people, because I'll include myself in that, um, who were overseeing talent. And overseeing the what I would call the team member experience from start to finish, you know, because there's so many things in the middle that need to be paid attention to. What are we doing about anniversaries? People need new uniforms. There's conflict among staff members and they need to talk to an objective third person. So I consider an investment to be this intentional about the team member experience. Uh, But I have to say at 11 years in, this is paying off. This is paying off beautifully. Have a very stable staff with high retention. And I have people that have been with me now the entire journey and are now at the top of the organization and doing a fantastic job. And they 
and they love their job. Thanks for sharing all of that um, and just your journey. And is there anything else that I'd you'd like to share around your intentionality around leadership in your restaurant or any advice you'd other advice you'd like to give operators who might be listening in? Uh, certainly. So if you're, if you're starting out, I would say start out putting the talent part of your business as a priority. Those of us who've been doing it for a while, again, we know that without enough talent and without good talent, life really can be miserable as an operator. And then for operators who have been doing it for a while and are pretty frustrated because how everything has changed, I would say just relook at things and be willing to make the necessary and often expensive changes to be current with what our labor market, our labor expects and and that often has to do with wages and benefits those are quite an investment um I, I made that investment right as the great resignation was starting but I did just some structural changes where people came in at different wages depending upon education level work experience all of that and now a year later it's amazing I walk in and I'm like this kitchen is staffed with full-time people in their 20s and they love their job and they're going to stay here, you know, because they consider it a career job. And that's something that I've also talked about is elevating that into this is not just part-time work. This can be a career and it doesn't have to mean you're trying to become an operator. This can be a career here in this town. So I would say for me, it was a great investment, but I just think that operators, we just have to look at what's happening and adapt as best as we can, you know, keep, try to keep a, a positive attitude and remember why we do this every day, you know, that we like to serve food and we like to serve people. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. Thank you so much, Teresa, not only for sharing about your intentionality around leadership development, but just your intentionality around your whole talent strategy and investing in your current and future talent. This has been a really awesome conversation. So I really appreciate all that you've been willing to share with us here on the podcast. Um, And that will do it for today's episode. If you're looking to find, develop, and launch top talent, LeadWell is a resource with articles, videos, podcasts, and all other Chick-fil-A operator and third-party expert curated content. If you have any questions or want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast, let us know at LeadWell at Chick-fil-A.com. I'm Missy Darden, and thank you for listening in to the LeadWell podcast. LeadWell shares leadership, talent, and culture resources, ideas, and tools from franchised operators and third-party experts to inspire franchised operators and their teams to find, develop, and launch top talent. As independent franchisees, Chick-fil-A operators solely determine the employment, leadership, and management practices in their businesses.